Thank you for tuning in to the Centerpoint Church Podcast. Our prayer is that you are ministered to as you listen in. We hope you enjoy the sermon. It's about to get messy. So I want you to look, if you would, John chapter 3. You say, what in the world does that mean? What's a preacher fixing a thing that's fixing a mess? I thought we were building something here. We are. But as you know, we've been in a mess for five months. How many of you know that? I'm so tired of drywall dust. I'm so tired of drywall mud. But I had a guy a long time ago tell me, you can't have a beautiful thing until you get through the mess. John chapter 3. Verse 1, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said this to you. You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered to him and said, are you the teacher of Israel and don't understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, what he's saying is, you're of the religious of this movement. You have the Old Testament and the writings, but you don't even understand what's going on by the Spirit of God. Truly, verse 11, truly, truly, I say to you, to speak of what we speak of what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not just. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought to God. Father, I pray today in the next few minutes in this room that people who call Center Point Church home, that you would speak to them and you would call us to a mess. I pray in this room, people who are guests in this room, who may find themselves in a mess, that they will know that this is a place where a mess is welcome. 
I pray for people that may be guests in this room wondering and looking for a church that today in hearing this message you would define who we are as a body of believers and you would prepare us for the message you're going to send our way. And we thank you for it and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you ready for a mess? You are brave people for lifting your hands. So how many of you in this room, how many moms do we have who have birthed a child? Would you lift your hand? How many dads in this room have been in the room when the child was born? Would you lift your hand? I would like to ask you that whenever a child was born, have you ever seen a baby born that didn't come with a mess? Anybody here? Did anybody's baby here be born with no blood, no guts, no slime, no stuff in the room, no cone head, no... Anybody here? Did anybody's come, baby come out perfect with a round head and no blood or anything on him? He's going to be the first one that will answer the altar call in just a little bit. Right? And you know what? There are people, babies that are born, and all of us know, even myself included, when babies were born, my two babies were born, any other babies that are born, a lot, the majority come out with a cone head, red, bloody guts, I everywhere, mama's everywhere, and that kind of thing, and they actually are the ugliest things you've ever seen. Except to the mama. <clears throat> The daddy won't say that baby's a cone head because that mama's done come through nine months of carrying that baby in their womb and they just went through the pain of having the baby and the daddy says the baby's ugly and the mama slapped the ever-loving snot. You come down here, baby, let me convince you of something. That's the prettiest baby in the world. And then they bring them to church, right? And mama got the prettiest baby. When you look at the baby, you're like, oh, blessed hearts see that's the answer for whenever you don't want to tell the truth people christians that's what we do oh bless their heart bless their heart god bless you bless your baby baby right and then grandmamas and all that stuff and all of a sudden they start going grandparents and that's the first grandbabies absolutely amazing and grandmothers and grandparents grandmas and grandfathers and papas and mamas and mimis and poppies or whatever you call them their grandbabies are the prettiest grandbabies in the world they're not ugly grand and listen they love those grandbabies they love the grandbabies better than they do the babies because they can send the grandbaby home well, we get no shouting ground now. Are you? <laughs> right? I can tell y'all are warming up. It may be this mylar hanging up up here. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus thought he was talking about a baby being born and how can I go back in the mother's womb? And Jesus said to him, you you've got to be born of water and born of the Spirit. And then Jesus says this. He says, but the Spirit of God moves and the wind, we know where the wind comes from. Some of you in this room still think the trees make the wind. It's not the trees making the wind. The wind comes wherever it wants to and the trees just manifest that the wind is blowing through and the leaves are moving. 
Because we don't know where the wind comes from. We don't know how it's made. We, we know what the weather people tell us and all that, but we can feel it. We know it. And Jesus says to him, when the Spirit of God moves, we don't know how he moves or what he's moving, but we know that the Spirit moves and he moves among and he draws and he births in the Spirit new babies in Christ. Now, here's the deal. We love to think about how beautiful our children are and that yet it was made in a mess, but then we want to sanitize people who may come to know Jesus today, tonight, tomorrow night, the next night, or have come to know the Lord over the season where we think that they're automatically going to be beautiful. They are not. Whenever someone is born into the kingdom of God and God begins to clean them up, it can get messy. That's the reason why most churches never see anybody saved is because they don't want a mess. Yet the fact of the matter is religious people are more messy than a new convert. Especially religious people who are not giving birth to babies. Because no matter how messy a baby is, everybody loves a baby. And I can tell you, no matter how messy a new convert is, everybody loves a new baby that needs to be grown in the Lord because it brings life into a church. They don't see it like we do. They don't understand it like we do. They don't know they're not supposed to cuss. They don't know they're not supposed to smoke dope. Until some of you good, strong Christian people start telling them how to live. Leave them alone and let the Spirit of God do it. <laughs> I knew it was going to get exciting in here. <laughs> Just what Dwayne said. I told y'all that one of the only times that you could be told, come and get your seat early and be here because we wanted to recognize Glendale Baptist, that would be the one time. Because tonight, if this place gets crowded, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to ask, if you're from Center Point Church and you are here and you're willing to give up your seat, I'm asking you to get up out of your seat and move out into the lobby until we get enough people in these seats and God will help us see the drama at some point. But give your seat up because it may be somebody that walks in here who's going to be birthed by the Spirit of God into knowing the kingdom of God. And I'm going to tell you, it is important that they come to know Jesus. We culturally have made the church about us. The fact is the church is not about you and I. It's about birthing people into the kingdom of God and growing up in the kingdom of God. If you don't want to grow up, then this is the wrong church to be in because you're going to lose your seat because a mess is going to take it. Man, birthing people in the kingdom is messy. It's messy. I told Christy this week, we were in a deal, I told the team earlier today, we were dealing with a situation earlier this week, and I said, golly, this is what it is about. When a church starts growing, whenever a church starts having new people, when a church starts having people saved, it becomes a mess, and you have to deal with a mess. But how many would take the mess again when you had your baby? How many would do it again? Just lift your hand. Come on, be honest right here. Oh, I see some of you keeping your hands down. And your kids are sitting beside you. Come on, get your... No, I'm just kidding. I can tell you right now, there, there, I can tell you story after... I can tell you stories in this room 
right here of people that have been saved in the last six months to a year who God has taken and begun to clean their lives up and begin to bring revelation by the Spirit. And as they hear the Word of God growing in the things of God and they're growing in the kingdom of God and they're coming to church and you're loving them and people, you are church center point, you are about to be a part and have already become a part of people that are being birthed into the kingdom of God and people that are born by the spirit into the kingdom of God need mamas and daddies they need people that love them and encourage them and help them absolutely speak truth and love we heard that message a few weeks ago there are moments when we work through that and as people grow and our kids begin to grow we help them to grow in the things of God and mamas and daddies that are in here that are willing to say man I'm willing to disciple one of those people I'm willing to take them under my arm and help them know about the things of God not to clean them up but to love them and let the spirit of God clean them up you see the doctors and the nurses clean the baby up in the room but here's a fact of the matter how many of you ever changed a messy diaper? Woo, come on, lift your hand again. Lift two up like this. The ones coming out the diaper, edge of the diapers, you know. I always sent those to Christy. I wanted the ones that were the cleaner ones, not the runny ones. You hear me today? There are going to be people that walk in this church and they're sitting in this room now who say, Pastor Dave, I'm a mess, but God's working on me. Could I say to you, let's just help clean their mess and love them right through it? Because you never threw your kid out in the garbage because they had a bad diaper, did you? No, you took that diaper and some of, you know, some guys put rubber gloves on. Come on, get out of here. Get that stuff up to your elbow, baby. Because it's about to get messy here. Look at your neighbor, make sure they're okay. Just We understand. See, we understand this about a baby that's born into our household, but we don't understand this about the church. We don't understand why somebody starts coming to our church and they tell us that we they're still smoking dope while they're doing devotions and we get a gasp. Oh my God, I thought he gave his heart to Jesus. He did. As a phrase I've used for many years, you can't clean a fish until you catch it. Ain't none of y'all ever caught a fillet. You go to Harper's and get one, but you ain't never caught one. That joker was clean before you ate it. We want messy Christians here. We want messy people here. We want people that are messed up. We want people who don't understand that the things of the Spirit of God are of the Spirit of God. We want them to come in this place and not understand anything that's going on and just let the Spirit of God, as I've coined another phrase, do a drive-by on them. All of a sudden, they're sitting there and they're like, golly, I should not be saying that SH word anymore. I shouldn't be smoking dope when I'm doing devotions. But it brings such a great revelation. <laughs> These two right here can tell you, there's a pastor in Waverly, Tennessee right now who was saved in the ministry in Dixon who for the first six months after he gave his heart to Jesus smoked dope and all of a sudden when he was doing his devotion, the Spirit of God convicted his life and he stopped doing it. His name is Dennis Bailey and you can ask him. The first time me and my brother visited house after he visited after his wife and kids were saved in Heaven's Gate Hell's Flames, that dog of his peed on my brother's leg. And my brother said, I don't understand why he wet on me instead of you. I said, it's the anointing. 
It's about to get messy, guys. God's going to bring broken people here. He's going to bring broken marriages here. He's going to be broken religious people. He's going to bring religious people that have been kicked out. Your pastor is one of them. But God has a way that can be redemptive, draw you back, change your life, restore you into kingdom work if you're willing. It's about to get messy here. There's going to be people coming. They're going to come and get saved here. And you're going, I can't even believe they went. I thought they were already saved. You, I'm going to tell you something. You would never say it about your grandkid. You would never say it about your kid. I can't believe I got saved. You're praying to God. Yours get saved. We're warming up now. It's going to be, well, I'm going to tell you, y'all wait tonight when the Holy Spirit moves. I'm not kidding, man. Heaven's gate tells flame. These people that are in it will tell you. They've been praying for two days. I promise you, when, when that drama starts, and I don't even understand it, Dwayne, I've never understood it. We've never understood. I've never understood how you can do some of the stuff you do, and then people respond and give their life to Jesus. I don't even know how and I got a call just yet. I got a text yesterday. One of the people here that go to our church said that somebody at their workplace said they're bringing their whole church. I don't know if it's a church of 10 or 50, but I can tell you this. You may have to give up your seat because it's about to get messy here. You may have sat up there by the sound people. Some of you go up there and pull the controls down on a mark or something. The Spirit of God moves, and when it does, there are people that are messy. You know how to know this? I'm going to walk you through just a few verses this morning about a man named Saul. I want you to look, if you would, turn. It'll be on the screen, Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7, verse 54. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the quick, and they began gnashing their teeth at him. But being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. This is Sto Stephen being stoned after he preached the message. He gazed intently to heaven, saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Verse 56, and he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse. When they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him, and the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. They went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep. Verse 8, I mean chapter 8, verse 1, Saul was in a hearty agreement with putting him to death. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, and dragging off men and women, and he would put them in prison. Look at Acts chapter 9, I mean chapter 9, verse 1. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord and to the high priest, and asked for letters from him to the synagogues, Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. 
And as he traveled, it happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly the Holy Ghost did a drive-by on him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Then look over now, if you would, to Acts chapter 9. Look at verse 26. So Saul, here's what happens. Saul gets, first of all, Saul is persecuting the church. He's a recorded terrorist. He's a recorded terrorist against Christians. The Bible says he held Stephen's coat while they killed him, and he was in agreement with it. Then it says that Saul began to ravage those who were followers of Jesus. It says he was on his way to Damascus, having received letters from the high priest, the religious sect. And he was on his way to Damascus, and on the way to Damascus to wreak havoc in the church and the people that had just birthed in the church, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, shows up and he knocks him off his horse. He goes blind, and Jesus says to him, why, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Then the Lord speaks to a guy named Ananias and says, Ananias, you need to go talk to Saul because he's been blinded by me and he's changed in his life. And Ananias said, I ain't doing that. You got to be crazy. He's a terrorist. He's setting us up. He's faking. I'm not going over there because he might kill me. And yet Ananias, being full of the Spirit, yielded to what the Spirit of God says. The Bible says he went and prayed for, for Saul. The, the blinders fell off of Saul. Saul was set free. Saul was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Saul became Paul, the one who wrote most of the New Testament. And all of us think of Paul as St. Paul. And the fact of the matter is he was the first terrorist that was led to Jesus. Ooh, this is messed up and it's messy. That's, that's messed up. Really. I mean, I don't even know why God put that in the scripture. That is messed up. Is that not messed up? Come on. Is it messed up? That's messy. And then look what happens over here. Look at Acts chapter 9, verse 26. When he came to Jerusalem, talking about Saul, when he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. Saul came to church. Brother Saul, sitting behind Dwight and Reba, I promise you, Saul the persecutor sitting right here, they would be thinking, is he fixing to kill me? Because he was known. This wasn't a novice. He was ravishing Christians' houses. He was coming and taking them, dragging them standing there when they stoned Stephen. Can't you see Saul get saved at church? Come to church and like, why is he doing here? He's fixing to set us up. He's fixing to try to kill somebody. He's fixing to get us thrown in jail for worshiping Jesus and everybody would be nervous, right? That's what the Bible says. Then the very next verse, if you look at it, the very next verse says, Barnabas came and spoke up for him. But Barnabas took hold of him, brought him to the apostles, and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road. You know what that's a testimony of, Dwight? It's when somebody gets saved, and somebody's lost come in here, and everybody's like, God, why did that drunk get saved? Why did that alcoholic get saved? 
Why did that rich guy get saved? Everybody knows that joker's been using his money to fund drugs in this town. That guy's been using his money to fund decrepitated houses that people live in. Why did he get saved? And Brother Dwight comes along and says, come on, Dwight, come on, come on. I'm Barnabas. Barnabas comes on and says, listen, I can vouch for this cat. He gave his life to, he's seen the Lord. Do you know the fact of the matter is every person that gets saved this week needs a Barnabas. You know who Barnabas is? Barnabas is somebody who believes in somebody when they don't believe in themselves or when everybody else doesn't believe in them. That's what a Barnabas is. He says, they can do it. You know who mine and Christie's Barnabas was? Maury Davis. Right? Everybody else pushing, name over they're done. Not Maury. Maury grabs us and calls every day. You're going to do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Come on, baby. You can do it. You can do it. And we're saying, we can't do it. And he said, you can do it. We're like, you can't do it. Yes, you can do it. And he's vouching for us. You see, here's the deal, church. It's about to get messy. And there's got to be people that are Barnabases that'll say, I'll get in the mess with them. I'll love them. I'll take a chance that they really got saved because the fact of the matter is it ain't our deal to judge if they really got saved or not. No, no. We're going to walk them. There's going to be people that get saved and it's just an emotional moment. They're going to go back to that stuff. But here's the deal. What we've done is because we're afraid of a mess, we've never even given them a chance to get saved. Let's get somebody messes a saved. How many of you can believe for a mess today? God, give us a mess. Give us the one that when they're saved in Bowling Green and Warren County and Scottsville and Franklin and Edmonton and Morgantown and wherever it may be, Glasgow, that nobody believes. There ain't no way they're saved. We can walk there and say, oh, yes, they did. Listen, they got the hell scared out of them. See, that's going to bother some of y'all. And heaven's gates hell flame and they came and gave their heart to Jesus because I promise you one thing. When that devil comes out of hell tonight, every sin in your life will be exposed. You're like, I don't want to go to hell. But there has to be an anointing on a church that a church is willing to receive to say, I'll be their daddy. I'll be their mom. I'll be their grandparent. Grandparents are blind to the sins of their grandchildren. They really are, and it's okay. I know it's time to quit. I'll quit in a minute. No, I'm teasing. I'm just, I'm just messing around with that. Grandparents believe in somebody when they're still a mess. Could God give us some grandparents in this church, spiritually mature, that believe the best in somebody that's getting saved, even though they're still a mess? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we are going to talk about a hell because I'm asking you to pray with me and I'm closing with this thought. The kingdom of God, Jesus said, you must be born again. We need parents and grandparents in the Lord who are willing to to take messes on. When you begin to grow as a church, it's going to get messy. Hear me, it's going to get messy. You don't get to sit in the same place you are. You're going to wonder why in the world everything has changed. Why is it going on, blah, blah, blah. What's, What's happening, all that stuff. Can I say to you that everything, I promise you, everything as a pastor leading this church that Christy and I, our heart is for this. It's for people who are messes to be saved, and people who come to know Jesus to grow up in Jesus and find their destiny in Christ.
It takes all of us to be ready. When you begin reproducing in Christ, it's where a lot of times where people want to stop because it is too expensive. It's too expensive and time-consuming to have spiritual babies. And then they grow up. And I want you to know everybody thought that diapers were expensive. Diapers aren't expensive compared to college. Can anybody say amen? Listen, having children costs something. It costs time running from all over across town. Soccer, church. How do we get basketball? Church. How do we get to church? And how would he keep them exposed to the things of God? How do we help them close? How many of you know your baby never told you one time, I don't like that onesie? Does anybody know that? Do you remember that? When you put that baby, that onesie on your baby, that baby did not say, I don't like this one to give me the red one. But we hear it every Sunday. That's not what I want to wear. Well, then go get what you want. I don't want to go get what I want. We think that people being saved here is going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be cheap. It's going to be work, and it's going to cost something. But I can tell you this. To be a church that keeps people from going to hell and moving to heaven is worth every dime of it, but it is messy. So, I ask you this question. I ask the leaders this morning as I close. Who would you not want to come to church and get saved? Where does your prejudice lie? Is it some religion? Some Muslim person? A Buddhist? A universalist? Is it, is it a black person or a Hispanic person or a Caucasian? Who is it that would trouble you if they came to church? The drunk? Because maybe you had lived in that atmosphere? An abuser? Or even a rich person? Somebody with means that walks in. It's harder for a rich person to go to heaven than to have a camel. A camel through the eye of a needle. Seriously? Some poor person that's struggling, a homeless person. These, I don't want to sit by me. They stink. I'm praying that if that is your heart, you hear your pastor now, this is clear. I pray that if you have a problem with stinky people, that they have one sit by, that the Spirit of God has one sit by you every Sunday. You have to smell the funk, baby. Because if it happens to you, then the Lord may be telling you, stop that. And when, as soon as you say, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm willing for stinky people to sit by me at church, then he'll put somebody else there. Okay, I really, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's going to get messy. Who is it? Some political person you can't stand? Some religious person you can't stand? You see, God is saying to us as a church today, are you ready for it? Because it's about to get messy. So here's, I'm going I'm to close with this. Who do we want? Luke chapter 16. I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to tell you, Luke chapter 16 is a story where the rich man is in hell and Lazarus is in the bosom. And the rich man cries out and he says, God, can you just send Lazarus to come and just tip his finger in water and give me something to drink? I'm burning here. And the chasm is too far is what is said there. And then he says, well, would you send someone, would you have someone go to my family and, 
And the Lord says, basically, that's too late at that point, that if they don't believe what is there, it's there, the rich person. God, would you send us people? You see, here's the deal. People who have means are as segregated in their own minds as people who have no means. I believe it's one of the reasons why it's in Scripture, to be honest with you. Look at Revelation chapter 21, verse 8 and 9. I think it may be up there. So who's going to hell? So let's look. Let's look. Because it is in the Bible. Look, Revelation chapter 21, verse 8 and 9. It says this, But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is a second death. So what our prayer is today is, Lord, would you send us the cowardly? Would you send us the unbelieving? Would you send us the abominable? Would you send us the murderers and the immoral and the sorcerers and the idolaters and all the liars? Because the Bible says God God is not willing that any perish. He says they will, and he lists those who will bust hell wide open, but it's not time for that, and if they're going to go to hell, let's make it our prayer. They got to come through us. God, we're willing to have a whoremonger here. We're willing to have a liar here. You know, the fact of the matter is a lot of people in the church today all across the city are liars. I'm not going to meddle there. I'm just going to go to the next verse. Oh, Jesus, I love you. I don't understand why she's wearing that dress. I don't understand why I'm here. How did they get that car? Where, where, what are they doing? What are they, what is she doing at church today? Where has she been? I don't understand why she's been. Why don't they keep that kid quiet? I don't understand why they don't shut that baby up. I don't understand what the problem is. Don't think blah, 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 blah. And you're sitting there worshiping Jesus. Jesus is the cornerstone, Christ is the cornerstone in your mind. Yeah, it's just kind of a passing thought. Scott, come on back. We're just we're closing this morning. Acts chapter 9, as we just read, we're asking God those who are against attack and are trying to destroy the church. Our culture right now is trying to stamp out the things of God. But until Jesus comes back, he's called us to shine as stars, to go into all the world, preach, teach, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and lead them to the Lord. I'm just asking today, church, before we have one person come in here that we don't know, because there'll be many tonight and even tomorrow night and Tuesday night that don't know. Honest to goodness, church, I'm just saying to you, it's a possibility that you come tonight and you have one of our ushers come and say, would you just, would you mind stepping back up in the balcony back here? You're part of Center Point Church. Would you mind stepping back up in the balcony and sit back up here behind the media guys so we can get some more people in here for church? See, the reason for this message is because I want to prepare you so that you don't have a spirit of anger or control come over you. But you say, God, maybe it's somebody messy that needs my seat. Maybe it's somebody that doesn't know the answer that needs my seat. Would you pray right now? God, I'll give my seat. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon here at Centerpoint. For more information, visit us at centerpointbg.com.